Welcome, and thank you for joining us on this week's episode of 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo, where we connect and collaborate with experts in their industries, published authors, and fascinating people. And as a chief inspirational officer, I'm focused on the development of people by unearthing their values, their talents, and their self-worth, otherwise known as that self-esteem. People matter, self-worth matters, and time matters. And all of that aligned, everything works. And I'm just jazzed. We have Robbie um, Berthium without, out there with us today. Am I saying that right? You are, yes. <laughs> all <laughs> right. All right, Robbie. So um, great to have you on the episode. And just to position people why we're excited to have Robbie with us today. Um, Robbie is the matchmaker for founders, brands, and ad agencies. And he's the author of The Millennial Entrepreneur, Forbes, Inc., um, Entrepreneur, Fox News, I like to just kind of wrap you up and say that you have a lot of success, a lot of wild success in areas of expertise, and we're going to dig into that. But um, let's go even just a little bit further. Do you, are you good with that, Robbie? Yeah, sure. Okay, so just to state that um, you know, you've got the strength of the bull and the wisdom of a beard, and I know that you're going to be talking to us about that. When you go to your website, it's awesome. I love how you talk about cowboys and tattoos. But Bull and Beard <laughs> has you. the strategic vision and the perspective needed to bring agencies' ideas into life and their uninhibited glory. They support and grow, connect agencies with the rationale and resources that win business. They save you time and money, they reduce your risk, and they pump up your pitch, and that is for sure something that I'm, I know people are going to want to learn from you. Um, you like working with, you, with other people because you take their ideas and you inject value at every turn. So, you know, without too much forward here, I know that we're going to take some great directions for our podcast listeners today. So um, thank you, and let's jump into how did you define the name um, Bull and Beard? Yeah, for sure, and I appreciate. Uh, I think the the pitch was just was just given. So um, no, I think uh, Bull and Beard, you know, was originally born in 2011, um, as far as the brand and the name. And I had been an entrepreneur since 2000, and I had a lot of um, I had a you know sort of a long relationship with my first company of 10 years, and uh, it was successful. And then I went through a, more of a rough time with a business partnership and so on and so forth. And so I was plotting sort of the next move while working at a few agencies and uh, really kind of came up with this name with a couple of friends of mine that were at the same agency. We're all sitting around a table thinking about agency names essentially. And, uh, and at that point, the, the brand really hadn't come to life as far as, you know, what did it really mean? What, what was the essence? What was our values? That sort of stuff. But from a name perspective, I thought it was kind of clever in the sense of, okay, well, it's alliterative. So, you know, you've got a lot of ad agencies that are last name and last name or Saatchi and Saatchi is a you know, pretty metal one, and uh, kind of rolls off the tongue. But really the idea is, you know, this uh, strength coupled with wisdom. Um, and it was interesting because I actually met my business partner uh, later on in 2011 uh, and then ended up working with him and starting the company in 2013. And, and we never really were intentional at that time about um, sort of the depth of the name. It was still this, okay, yeah, like it, it makes sense. Uh, we, you charge hard, but at the same time, you want to you wanna make sure you're charging in the right directions. You want to be intentional. Um, and then we showed up to our first meeting, and people were like, oh, you're the bull, you're the beard. Oh, okay. And we were like, oh, wow, <laughs> this kind of worked out differently. So, yeah, my, my business partner is, um, put it this way, he's a little bit older than I am. He's uh, close to my dad's age. I'm a, uh, a millennial entrepreneur. I'm 30, and so... You know, I think we have a uh, kind of unique relationship in that 
he's more of the beard. I'm generally more of the bull, and sometimes we, we switch roles. But uh, it's sort of how we see, you know, the business and how we, we inter- even interact. I mean, it affects uh, our relationships. So, yeah, that's how the name kind of was born. And then uh, I think we were brought together to, you know, I ho- hopefully be the, the embodiment of those, uh, you know, the bull and the beard. So. Absolutely. No, this is good. And one thing that you lead into and one thing I found quite fascinating about you is you started when you were 14 years old. I'm going to take us there for just a minute as people are listening to this and maybe, you know, you're in such an emerging industry. Talk to us a little bit about that. Like, how did you get started and, and where are you at through that growth and progress where you're at today with the business? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, it's interesting because technology is, you know, it does move incredibly quickly and it always has and it continues to move you know, probably uh, more and more quickly, <laughs> or at least that feels that way. And, and I think that, um, I mean, having started at 14, I was, uh, I had the opportunity in, as far as being homeschooled. Um, I went to the, the public school, so I was third grade, and then we moved around quite a bit. And so for me, I was a very independent uh, person and, and student, and uh, that allowed me to skip a grade and, and you know, essentially be able to start the company and have the time and the bandwidth at 14. And, uh, and then I think, you know, my mom was a computer instructor. My dad was a software developer. So I was around it, but it was funny because I, I was always very vehement that, look, I, I'm not going to become a software developer. You know, I don't see myself in sort of that world. But, um, but what happened was, uh, you know, we were selling our – my parents were selling their house. And, uh, you know, I, I helped build a website for uh, the property and then kind of word of mouth people wanted – you know, websites for their properties because uh, we were essentially in the Cascade Mountains and, you know, people from the Bay Area were buying these properties but had no way of really finding out about it. So kind of got my start doing websites, photography for uh, for sale by owners and uh, real estate companies and then quickly started working with small businesses and really doing everything. So kind of in the dirt, learning as I went. I mean, I remember, you know, signing my first uh, my first deal, um, one was uh, actually the, the first two uh, you know, small business deals was a, a car dealership and a uh, mortgage company, but I remember the mortgage company was the first one, and, um, and I said, you know, hey, I'm gonna, I want to do a website, gave him my pitch, and you know, he asked how much, and it was like $500, which seemed like a, a ton of money at the time, uh, <laughs> definitely an upgrade from raking leagues and stuff like that, but, uh, but yeah, and he said, well, you know, you have no portfolio, and looking back, I mean, I was 14, like, I, I wouldn't have trusted myself, and, and honestly, I probably didn't know what I was doing, I just had the confidence that I would be able to figure it out, that I'd be able to, you know, uh, do the research, learn what I need to learn, connect with who I needed to connect, and um, and so sure enough, he said, okay, you know, here's a check for 500 bucks, because I said, you know, you are my case study, uh, you are what I'm going to build a business around, and uh, so that kind of got me off and running to the point when, you know, 17, 18, and going to school, and, you know, running literally 50, 55 different accounts, started a hosting company, I mean, I got very, very busy, um, so yeah, it was uh, an early start, but I think, you know, when I was younger, I tried to sort of keep up and keep track of everything, particularly when it comes to technology, you know, digital advertising, marketing. I mean, it's a very fast-paced industry. Um, I think as I've gotten older and hopefully wiser, um, and, and hopefully this continues, you know, I don't really focus as much on being on top of everything because you just you can't possibly do that. It's, it's unattainable. And it really doesn't matter, in my opinion, either, because most things that, you know, really become, maybe it's, it's, you know, we think of like social media examples, Snapchat or Snapchat spectacles or whatever. I mean, things that come into the marketplace, they're important. It's important to be aware. Uh, at the other hand, if, if you're, you know, sitting there obsessing about competition or trends or the changes, it's very overwhelming. I mean, sometimes you just need to sit down and focus and, you know, block out the distractions and get work done. And, and I, was, I think I was pretty good at doing a lot of work when I was younger. So 
it, uh, it helped, you know, things really kind of take off. Absolutely, and that really leads me into it because I'll be honest, I mean, I believe most of the listeners that we have out there, it's the millennial market share. I mean, a lot of the clients that I work with are those millennials that have that, that desire deep within them, and it, it oozes out of you, Robbie, as far as, um, you know, you just kind of, you started, and you've had a lot of success. Have you had any setbacks or failures? Definitely I've had setbacks, yes, certainly. I mean, I think, you know, when I started, I didn't have any, I didn't have like a wealthy background or, you know, backing from my parents or anything like that. Matter of fact, I remember being in college and, you know, uh, paying for my college. <laughs> I remember getting kind of ticked off because people just thought I was like a, you know, rich kid, you know, daddy's, daddy's boy, whatever. But, um, no, I think uh, when I moved to L.A., moved the business to L.A., moved my employees and business partner, it was sort of a, a journey out west to, uh, to make it bigger. And I had positioned the company um, very much to, to serve that market and, you know, had some clients I was landing into. But that was a time in my life where, you know, I was, uh, I don't know, 20, let's see, 2000, I don't think I was 21. And when we sort of caravaned out there, you know, and we're signing leases and getting an office space at 1010 Wilshire, and I remember we got the penthouse office space, I mean, things started to rapidly move. But that, that was also a time of a lot of suffering. I went through a, uh, a divorce. I got married, you know, super early, right, right before I turned 19. You know, I think just because I had the freedom and the, the money that nobody really could say anything, and I probably wouldn't have listened to them. But um, after four years, we moved out to California, and uh, my ex-wife said, you know, within two weeks, got her first paycheck and said, we're done. And uh, so that was a big surprise to go through, you know, emotionally, and, and obviously that affects the business. And, uh, and then my business partner, who was also just, you know, my best friend, and we did everything together and traveled a lot together. And he owned 20% of the company, I owned 80%, and he, came, he had come in about seven years into it. But um, essentially, I uh, lost a lot of money um, because it was spent on uh, things that it shouldn't be spent on, I'll just say that. So there was a lot of siphoning off and uh he was doing the bookkeeping and so it was a it was a mess and uh and that kind of you know was a process in terms of you know when it was happening and then really found out the extent of everything um uh, the day before christmas about uh, seven years ago and uh went through the the bank statements and so on and was like oh my gosh was devastated and so that really affected the business and uh you know, it was really hard. I, I went from, you know, driving a 6 Series and SX and not really thinking about money at all. And, you know, my net income was maybe fifty, sixty thousand 60000 a month, easy. And life was good. I was living in Beverly Hills and, you know, I, I was drinking my own Kool-Aid. And, uh, you know, but uh, I was certainly humbled, uh, certainly through that experience. You know, I, I moved into a, a reasonable place and all of that. But I actually got married, uh, got remarried. And, uh Moved from LA in uh, in early 2010. Moved back to where my parents were and just focused on you know sort of restoring my life, my priorities and balance and what was all this about. But also during that time, I I had to uh, it was very tight financially. I mean, I really had to struggle through it. There was a lot of implications from uh, from my business partner, former business partner, that I just had to deal with, and I'm still dealing with some of those things. Um, oh, I'm sure. But uh, but yeah, so I mean that tremendous you know I think suffering on the personal side on the on a company side and even to my ego because, you know, who was I now? Like I was successful and I was a young guy and a hot shot in LA and now I'm, you know, living back in South Carolina and I'm trying to live in a budget and, you know, <laughs> looking at, okay, how can I get rid of this Beamer payment? And, but it was very good. <laughs> right. It was a time where I truly believe, you know, that blessing, um, you know, blessings really in the form of suffering. Uh, it's, it's one of the best things that can happen. You know, you, you don't always realize when you're going through it, and I think many times, you know, I probably cried out to God, just, okay, can we, can we just push the fast forward button? This is so hard. This is so hard to get through or, you know, but I also think that, um, 
you know, you can't play the victim. I, I continued to persevere. I became a director at a, a few ad agencies while I built up, you know, the, the next vision for my company. And, you know, the beginning was very hard because I had purchased, you know, the Millennial Entrepreneur domain name and at auction and wanted to write this book about my story and being this young, successful millennial entrepreneur that sort of, you know, flipped the, uh, uh, the prejudices around millennials on their head. And suddenly I had lost everything. And so, you know, I think it's, it's sometimes if you work really hard and you put all of your energy into something and, and that thing goes away, whatever it might be, um, you can lose a sense of your identity. And I think I went through that process, but through that process, some of those layers got peeled back and I realized more who my brand was and who, who my essence was. And I think from there, Bull and Beard and my company now, the, the book that's being written for, you know, Millennial Entrepreneur, it's a different company. There's, it's a very different book than I would have written. And um, I think timing is, is, a pretty, is a pretty amazing thing. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of <laughs> – there's a lot, uh, a lot of story there to try to, to try to get through. Oh, it is. But, you know, it's interesting because as you and I have gotten to know each other, I mean, like you said, like almost 10 years ago you had the vision for the book, and yet, you know, it's still it's ready to be launched coming soon, right? So it's still not even yes. there. It's just been a body of work that, that you have aligned to, and it has evolved and probably will be better than if it were to have come out 10 years ago. Would you agree? I would agree, and I, I think because you know the the focus and the intention of the book really changed. I mean, it was going to be sort of my story and uh, you know a memoir, and then I sort of you're thinking, well, you know, I can put this off. I'm too young to write a memoir, so you know, it'll be a little more, a little more successful or whatever. Um, you know, but then during the time of suffering, it was like, well, I can't write a book called Millennial Entrepreneur if I'm if I have a job now. You know, <laughs> it was like, well, this is. Uh, this isn't good. Um, and so I built it back, and you know, I've had my, my company. We just celebrated our four-year anniversary of incorporation on, uh, on Saturday. And you know, so things are, are coming along just fine. Um, but I also have to always you know, keep that in mind. And it's very interesting now with the book, instead of it being about me at all, it's really the, you know, uh, it's many of my friends and, uh, and other millennial entrepreneurs, uh, about 50 of them that are millionaire millennial entrepreneurs that have, you know, are different stages in life, maybe early 20s, mid 20s, upper 20s, early 30s, um, but are going through different stages and, and talk a lot about the, uh, you know, life behind the scenes as an entrepreneur, not so much the glory or the stats or the awards and the numbers, but more what keeps them up at night, what motivates them, um, you know, their biggest fears, stuff like that, uh, just for other people to hopefully be able to relate to and benefit from and, and you know, Take, take rest in sometimes as an entrepreneur. It's exhausting. So I think hearing other people's stories and knowing that you're not the only one that maybe, you know, you're struggling or maybe you've got a, a high level of anxiety and, or maybe, you know, you put too much pressure on yourself. I mean, I talk with some amazing people for this book and it's, it's so educational for me because you look at some of these uh, individuals and, you know, the awards that they've won and the stuff that they've done in their businesses and yet they're, they're, they're human. I mean, they have this, this very similar fears and desires to be recognized and, and things like that. And so I think once you've had some of those experiences, that's the big benefit that I, that I have in terms of just, you know, the past and, and having a lot of success there is, you know, decimal point, it, it moves. So I think financially, you know, you see things differently. And, and also you realize how important relationships are and how important uh, showing up is and, and showing up for opportunities, uh, how important saying no is. And, and those are a lot of things that you either have to learn the hard way and go through things maybe as a result of you not saying no, for example, or you have to learn through podcasts and, and through reading and, and through networking and trying to really connect with others and, and you know, say, hey, is this something I need to be aware of? You know, a lot of business partnerships, 
um, end in failure or, you know, people right. grow apart. And so it's something that I think people prepare. Ultimately, I think maybe it comes down to people prepare for failure quite a bit. And, and a lot of people don't prepare for success. They never ask themselves, okay, when I hit this point, this imaginary line or whatever it is, you know, how is it going to be? Who am I? And I think you have to know those things. Um, if you believe you're ultimately going to be successful, the sooner you know those things, the better. And you don't want to wait until you're quote-unquote successful or well off or whatever it might be uh, to figure out what you're about, you know, because uh, that's, that's when it gets dangerous. That's when you start drinking your own Kool-Aid or just trying to make more money for the sake of making more money. I mean, you really have to step back and, and you know, assess your life right. and, and what, it's all, what it's all about. And that's interesting because that's the key catalyst of what I do is valuing your worth. I mean, I think a lot of people because, you know, what you talked about, you had some self-esteem. I mean, you got really set back. How did you oh, yeah. reconnect to your self-worth and even understand, uh, Robbie, that you've got value? And, you know, yeah, you know, that was interesting that, like, because <laughs> Andrew Warner, was, uh, the Mixergy podcast, you know, he had asked me a similar question in the sense of, you know, uh, okay, so when you were sort of getting back on your feet, like how did you confidently go and continue to sell what you needed to sell or do what you needed to do? And you know, I never even thought of it that way. Like I, I never really felt like, I had a choice, if that makes sense. Um, mm, and wow. this, is kind of a, this is kind of a weird thing to say, but like I literally, you know, have, <laughs> this is kind of weird, but I'll say it, whatever, it's true. So, you know, I've had times where, um, you know, I have been so overcome with, you know, maybe emotion or, you know, anxiety in the shower, for instance, that, you know, I'll, I'll tear up and I'll sit there like, what's going on? And part of it is, it's sort of this weight of, you know, I believe that I can do it. I believe that um, I'll be successful. I believe that I am successful. It's not even a destination. It's, it's my family. It's so many things that, you know, I touch, but it's all about, you know, how I use my time and the space that I occupy with the time that I spend and making really good decisions. And, but I also think that there's been somewhat of a pressure there because I've never really struggled with feelings of self-worth. Um, you know, I, I think that it's been more sort of my, it's been my own self that's, you know, really sort of disappointed. That's like, really, you let this happen or, you know, really, you need to get through this. But, um, but I don't know, I think a big part of it is, you know, what really started to, to change things in a, in a much better trajectory was I got to the point where I felt like my best days were not behind me when I felt like they were before me or in front of me, um, especially when you're 24, 25 and you're having a midlife crisis. It kind of sucks when you're like, wow, I did all this and now what's next? Um, wow. And so part of that was just kind of, yeah, I was just shedding, the, uh, shedding the, the overthinking. I just stopped thinking so much about everything. And, and you know, I knew that uh, I, I'm a believer, I have faith, and, and so I knew God would provide, and I knew that if I worked hard with the time that I was given and I was careful and continued to uh, you know, stick to my values, that it's just a matter of resilience. It's just a matter of getting through. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it oversimplifies it. I mean, certainly there's, there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of stress around you know, different aspects, but... Um, right. But I don't know, like I, I never felt like, you know, my self-worth was really hit very much uh, on that level. It was more, I just, you know, I saw it coming. Like I knew that I was getting complacent or I knew I just felt kind of convicted and guilty about where I let my life go versus, um, oh my gosh, what am I going to do now? Like I'm a fit, I'm, I can't, I can no longer succeed. I'm no longer successful. It was, ne it was never really like that. You know, I felt like, okay, well, my bank account changed, but I'll get it back. I mean, it's, it's, no, it's right. no problem. So it's it a matter of choice. So you went from thinking to doing. And listen, you're Forbes, Fortune Magazine, Inc. Magazine, Huffington Post. I mean, these are some of the big dogs, right? How did you align with that, Robbie? I mean, how, how, 
tell us how that happened. Like, I mean, just taking a, a, a kid from 14 years old building $500 websites to being wildly successful <laughs> and where you're at in life today. And yeah, you described your setbacks and being humbled, but where, I mean, how did you make those alignments? People love to hear those, those ways. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think, uh, I think something that I probably should have done more when I was younger that I didn't do because, you know, I think my ego was, uh, was pretty big at the time. It still is, but a little bit smaller. Um, you know, back in the early days, it was really, it was kind of all on my shoulders, you know, uh, and I had, I had plenty of friends and, and people that I could hang out with, but I was always kind of the guy, the, the provider, I'm paying for everything. And, you know, it's hard. I never really had a mentor. I never really had an entrepreneurship group to be a part of. And, uh, and that definitely made a difference. Um, I think in terms of, you know, what has been more of a push in terms of speaking and writing and getting published and working on the book, um, that has been a very intentional effort as far as, you know, our business is, is matchmaking, right, in the, in the business-to-business context. And so really everything is based on relationships and everything is based on trust. And, and so if my clients, whether it's a brand or an agency and looking for services, if they're making a purchase or an investment, uh, that could be six figures, seven figures, depending on the type of project. Trust is a really, really important thing. And so for me, it wasn't so much about, you know, quote-unquote building my personal brand. You know, I, feel, I felt like my brand had been built over the years, you know, through good and bad. I mean, that's really what builds the brand, right? And instead of trying to create this persona of, you know, okay, this is Robbie Berthoom, and here's how I want to position myself in the marketplace and in my industry, um, I was intentional in the sense of I want my brand to be a direct reflection of who I am. And so that means I'm not going to shy away talking about some of the harder stuff or talking about my faith. I'm going to be who I am. And I want to show up at a networking event and, you know, be the same person as I am on a podcast. I don't want there to be any surprise anybody. And it's, it's stressful as well when you try to be somebody you're not. Um, so I think, you know, what happened to answer your question is over the past few years as Bull and Beard has grown, I've been able to spend more and more time focusing on writing, getting published, focusing on groups like Young Entrepreneur Council and Forbes Councils and Founders Organization, stuff like that. Um, been able to spend time doing a lot of podcasts, uh, doing a lot of uh, work on my book, a lot of interviews. And it's interesting because, you know, my personal brand ultimately is, is, is a funnel into Bull and Beard um, and, and the business there. But um, I've had to, you know, I had a, a year where it was very, very intentional, you know, sort of building that content, building that voice. And honestly, there's a, you know, I always kind of looked at press and, and, you know, getting published and making lists and doing that. I mean, I was LA 20 in their 20s at like 23, and that was exciting. I was like, okay, it's a big city. It's L.A. That, that's pretty cool. But it was relatively quiet from a press front. You know, I, I did Mixergy in 2009 when I was 23. And you know, then it was pretty quiet because um, I felt like I needed to get my business and everything into gear. I wasn't going to try to put myself out there as somebody that I wasn't. And so only until you know, I think um, probably late 2015, uh, early last year, is when I made a strong push. And I noticed that because I had focused a lot on friendships and relationships and the groups that I'm in, and I've made an investment there, um, it's been relatively easy to, to a certain, you know, sort of position yourself for opportunities, um, position yourself to be invited to podcasts. Um, and I put myself out there. I mean, there's, for instance, Q&As through YEC that you can answer, and a lot of people have an opportunity to get published uh, pretty easily on just kind of low-hanging fruit stuff, and they don't do it. They don't spend – it comes out on the first Wednesday of every month, and they're not going to spend the time – uh, that morning, just cranking them out. And uh, fortunately, I can write pretty quickly, and I enjoy it. And I just try to stay authentic to, you know, kind of my 
uh, my speaking voice as well and, and get it done and work. Um, and so what I tell everybody is like, you know, I think the key is relationships. I mean, that has led to publishing opportunities. So relationships, um, you know, entrepreneurship groups, Forbes councils, YC, stuff like that is certainly helpful to, you know, work with other people that are getting published and, and you'll get a lot of opportunities if you provide value. Uh, on the other hand, it's also simply showing up and, and getting things done. Um, there's a lot of people that, you know, they're great writers, but they're, they're a perfectionist, and, and they can't imagine publishing something until they spend 20 hours just proofing the heck out of it. And at a certain point, you've got to say, you know, this is good enough. Uh, people need this enough to need it now. And, and you, you know, sometimes you just got to create that action, create that movement. Same thing with a, you know, with a podcast. And, and what I tell people is, hey, don't force yourself to write if writing is not your passion. Like, if you like to speak and you like to talk, then try out podcasts, you know, or try out uh, Snapchat or telling stories you know, through video, I mean, there's other ways to, to get your point across. And, uh, but ultimately, nobody's going to know, you know, the, the sort of the essence behind you and what you're about if you don't talk to them, if you don't engage with them. There's only so much that, you know, quotes and, and you know, here's some links to look at and stuff like that, particularly on social media. Is, is, there's only so much that that's going to communicate. And, and ultimately, I think people are attracted to people that are open and people that We'll share the good stuff as much as the bad stuff and just be real. Um, I think there's, you know, there's obviously a buzzword, authenticity. On the other hand, it's just, it's still surprising to me how many people play games and, uh, and just, you know, they, they try to uh, be somebody they're not. And it's really stressful doing that. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, this has just been an absolute delight, Robbie. I mean, you are just a wealth of knowledge and we want people to tap into who you are. I mean, you are. Um, you know, you state that you do some transactional matchmaking. So if somebody is curious about that, we want them to connect to you. But, I mean, you are really focused on being true to yourself. You've got great tenacity and strength, and you've taken the time to know yourself. And I think that's what people have learned from this episode today and the power that you bring in not being afraid of it, but just understanding that, you know what, we just got to go for it. It's a choice. Yes. So, yes. you know, I'm just, I thank you for sharing that message with other people and being so real. So to learn more about Robbie, you can visit our website at marlohiggins.com where you can learn how to connect to the various resources that Robbie and the team of Bull and Beard can offer you. Add them to your circle of influence. And we just want to thank you for joining us today. We invite you to share this podcast with others and thank you in advance for that partnership. So Robbie, absolute delight. Thank you so much. Can't Thank wait for, for people me, to get out there and discover you. So Marlo Higgins, your host and chief inspirational officer. Thank you. You're way too kind. <laughs>